Welcome to the Migraine Miracle Moment. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Turknet. I'm a neurologist, migraine specialist, migraine sufferer, and author of the book, The Migraine Miracle. In this podcast, you'll learn all about how to find your path to migraine freedom without pills. Let's get started. Howdy, Beast Slayers. In today's episode, I'll be answering four questions from a recent clinic chat live discussion. Uh, These questions are about eating protein first, why certain foods aren't on the migraine superfoods list, um, whether or not soy or sunflower lecithin is problematic in protein powder, and how long vulnerability to a migraine lasts after a poor night's sleep. Again, these questions are all from a recent Clinic Chat Live session for Migraine Everland members, which we do over Zoom. And if you are interested in taking part in these, as well as being able to submit questions of your own, then you can learn more about becoming a member at MyMigraineMiracle.com, and you will find a link to that in the podcast description. Along with being able to attend all of our Clinic Chat Lives, there are a whole host of resources inside of Migraine Neverland for helping you put the Migraine Miracle program into action to slay the beast once and for all. In fact, uh, a few of those resources are mentioned in today's discussion. One of those is the Nutrients for Migraine Protection live session that I did a while back. And if you're a member and you missed that session, or you weren't a member then, you can find the replay video of that uh, in the virtual classroom. Again, that's the Nutrients for Migraine Protection uh, workshop that I did. You'll also hear mention of the Migraine Superfoods list, which is part of our uh, Beast Slayer Training Academy. I also mentioned the Migraine Nevercast uh, in this discussion, which is our uh, private podcast for Migraine Neverland members. Also, a reminder that we have periodic promotions just for our podcast listeners. And you can find out what the current one is by going to mymigrainemiracle.com forward slash moment. And lastly, I will share a success quote from Julia, one of our new members doing the Beast Slayer Training Academy, who says, quote, I love today's video, Groundhog Day. It makes so much sense. I am already getting so much more out of this training than I even thought I would. Thank you for putting so much thought into this program. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I, too, love the Groundhog Day strategy. It is something I recommend often and know that it is something that many people out there have benefited from. All right, and now, without further delay, here is the excerpt from our recent Clinic Chat Live. When you say to eat protein first, does this mean uh, protein before fat, too? And how obsessive about this should we be? Um, Just obsessive enough. No. Um, So I I consider this uh, to be uh, one of the most important guidelines, actually, when it comes to diet. Um, It didn't. It wasn't one I included in the book. One kind of a come upon later. But if you stick to that, a lot of other things fall into place. Um, And I talked more in depth about this in the uh, nutrients for migraine protection um, session that I did. A few months ago. So if anybody wants to check that out. One of the reasons I think it's a helpful heuristic is it ensures that you're getting adequate protein at uh, every meal, getting the most bang for your buck, and then also 
helps to minimize any other ancillary metabolic consequences that would come from a meal. So I usually vary in terms of my protein between um, steaks of different kinds, uh, burgers, um, chicken, oysters, pork, sardines, and then other fish more occasionally. And I usually will just nowadays just eat all of my protein first. Um, so from that standpoint, the answer is, yeah, I just eat the protein first. Now, if it's wrapped in something, you know, lettuce or whatever, that's fine too. I consider that all part of the eating the protein. The exception might be as if you had like a, a, a you know, one meal in a, in a, you know, it's all part of one thing, you know, a hash or something like that where it's impossible. Fine. But I think that probably you know, most of, most of my meals, uh, and I think it's probably a good, good idea, um, to be, to be kind of the baseline being a, a protein plus something along, along with it, um, if desired, um, so usually, a, a a low starch vegetable, if it's a moderate starch vegetable, eating the protein first, again, is the best way to mitigate the impact and ensuring that you're kind of optimizing the nutrients that you consume. So first filling the, filling the most, the body's most important needs, and then kind of supplementing after that. I even, I told my daughter earlier today, <laughs> I said, if there's one thing I want you to remember about food, it's to eat your protein first. So a lot of, a lot of issues will, will not develop if you can just do that and make sure you get in, know, know how much is enough and eat it first. It's a question we've gotten before, but uh, it was it's um, comes up enough that I'll answer it again here, and I'll probably do so again in the future, I'm sure. Um, so it's why aren't certain foods um, such as radishes, turnips, bacon um, on the migraine superfoods list? I did do uh, a podcast on this particular question that you can find in the um, uh, in the migraine evercast. So, uh, but the um, the gist is that the that list the superfoods list um, was an issue initially created to kind of illustrate how to reframe thinking around food so you know it's common for the migraineur to kind of walk around thinking about this list of of things to avoid what the bad foods are and you know example and a, an example of how you know mindset or the, or the worrying itself about certain things can can uh, you know inadvertently make the underlying problem worse so the idea was to illustrate how we can flip our thinking and try to identify what helps us rather than what's hurt what hurts us and um uh, you know the mindset mindset shift that goes along with that uh, is in and of itself beneficial it's not just a, a better approach um, psychologically but also from a practical perspective to just identify the things that work and then stick to those and you know the things that make us uh, feel great figure out what those are and then put the other stuff you know out of our awareness that's not always an easy transition to make because we've been thinking uh in this other way for so long so i think that's reflected in the, the those questions that we sometimes get about why isn't you know food x on the list and there's a concern in that i know that that uh, you know worrying that food x is harm is not on the list because it's harmful but of course that wasn't that's not the intention of that of that list and so the the point there being that if it's if there's something not on the superfood list um it doesn't mean it should be avoided the the list also wasn't intended to be you know exhaustive list of everything um but that being said you could uh, eat exclusively from that list and still have an abundance of options at your disposal. And that was another intention was to kind of inspire gratitude at just how many things we have easy access to that are nourishing and protective and taste great. 
um, as opposed to thinking about the things that we're not eating that we wish we could. So, you know, if you're looking to looking for what to avoid, then just following the basic migraine miracle guidelines um, are going to be the best for the for the the diet guidelines are going to be you know help you in in clarifying that question. Whereas uh, the superfoods is more along the lines of these are kind of the most uh, nourishing and protective ones that we have. But that doesn't mean if it's not on there to avoid it. Uh, I noticed that soy and sunflower lecithin are ingredients in my protein power. Now, are they problematic? And uh, this is a short one. The answer is I don't think so. So the those are the lecithins are um, a byproduct of the production uh, of um, those oils. So uh, by uh, uh, sunflower oil and they're used as an emulsifier in certain things, but neither contain the actual compounds from like from soy or sunflower oil that we'd be most concerned with. Um, so, and the quantities are likely really low. So that's one of those things, um, one of those additives that uh, I don't typically worry about. You see them, you'll see them in chocolate as well. Um, so yeah, uh, I think you can safely consume anything with those in them but yeah so if we've had a bad week of sleep how long does that make us vulnerable to getting a migraine all right so the the bad news is we don't have any way of knowing um and the good news is that i don't think knowing that is going to help too much um and i think it's important um, to identify, and it's not, it's, you know, I sympathize, I understand um, sort of wanting to know, wanting to know these things, but it's also really helpful and important to identify what things are worth, you know, worrying about or thinking about and what things aren't. My uh, good friend who I've mentioned on the podcast before, um, Dr. Tommy Wood, he was recently on um, Dr. Ronkin Chatterjee, I think that's, he's a um, have a high profile uh, doctor in the UK, but he was on his podcast this past week. And one of the subjects that came up was about sort of how many, how many cases in health and fitness there are instances where, uh, where the worry about some issue is causing more harm than the actual thing that there, that people are worrying about. And I think this is actually pretty significant as he does too. Um, you know, it's a really big health and fitness is a big industry. And there's an incentive for people to make you worry about things so that they can sell you the solution. Um, so we have a lot of stuff that's kind of blown out of proportion and, you know, ends up people end up focusing on kind of the small, the small stuff where, you know, the, the, the obsession over the thing can actually is actually worse than the, the thing that they're obsessing over. So, and in medicine, kind of one of the most important questions to ask for doctors to ask when considering what tests to order is will this change my management? So, you know, whether it's a blood test or an x-ray or anything, you know, would this result alter what I'm going to ultimately do with the patient in front of me? And a lot of, a lot of wasted testing would be eliminated by more people, more doctors just asking that question. In fact, I would encourage you anytime you, uh, getting a test or one that's recommended to ask your doctor that question, how will, how will these results potentially impact, you know, what, what I do or what you'd want me to do? Cause there are a lot of things where the results actually aren't going to change. And this is a, this is a, a scenario I think where that probably applies as well 
is that knowing, you know, there's probably the most common question, how do I know if I'm out of rebound, right? Which we've discussed at length about it's kind of the, the, the issues there, but fundamentally it really doesn't change how, what we're going to do. Um, it's not going to, you know, alter the basic fundamental principles that we're going to follow to try to minimize the impact of abortive drugs and same thing here. So while we don't know, you know, what's the, what's the impact of a bad night's sleep and it's probably super variable, but just as we've talked about earlier, if we've developed a certain level of resilience, then, you know, obviously sleep is one of those factors that enhances our resilience. But if we are, you know, if we are well doing well, you know, well supported and resilient in all these other domains, have a bad night's sleep is probably gonna have a lot less impact on us from all sorts of perspectives, including our vulnerability to the beast. Then if it's, then if it's, you know, compounded with a bad diet and a lot of stress and so forth. So how, how sensitive we are, how uh, able we are to recover from something like that is going to depend on what, how, what everything else is doing. So we'll be highly individual, but so it's one of those things we can't know. We probably would never be smart enough to know, but ultimately at the end of the day, um, probably not going to change what we end up doing. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the miracle moment. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player of choice. And if you know any fellow migraine sufferers, please feel free to share it with them as well. And now it's time to go out and slay the beast. Mm-hmm.